Hey, what's up, guys? It's Rico here, CEO of SourceFind Asia, host of the China podcast, and the host of the SourceFind Asia YouTube channel. Back with another podcast. Uh, this episode is a part two of Rico's ruminations on failure. So, as I mentioned in part one, I was kind of reviewing old financial documents and just old projects, and you know, came across some of the first projects we ever worked on. And you know, like I said, you kind of if you're like me, you tend to put on rose-tinted glasses when you think about the past and not realize that there were some pivotal moments, pivotal mistakes that you make in business that you learn from or pivotal issues that came up that you know we had to resolve or get past in order to get to where we are today. So that seeing some of these projects, including our very first project, which, which I'm about to talk about, made me you know think a little bit more about discussing and, and ruminating on some of the the mistakes or failure quote unquote and can't really call it a failure because these projects are ruined but anyways you understand what i'm saying so yeah this this particular episode i'm going to be focusing on prodigy game i actually did a deep dive i think it was like four hour episode where me and brian who was is the lead project manager or was the lead project hardware manager at prodigy where we you know we discussed from the first initial time we uh, got in contact all the way up to you know the end of, of the project we worked together for like two and a half years so um yeah if you want to check that out that's that's we'll link it up in the show notes i don't remember which episode it was it was like a year ago it's probably it's probably like episode you know 70 something or 80 something we had like 80 episodes since that time period but yeah definitely check that out we'll have it linked we'll have those linked up in the show notes without further ado let me jump into it I don't want to be a product of my environment. I want my environment to be a product of me. All right, so uh, yeah, Prodigy man. Like, if you don't know the backstory, I'm not gonna talk too much about it. But basically, the the founder of the company, co-founder, co-CEO, is Rohan Mahemkar, who's like my, one of my best friends. I've known him since 2010, 2011. And you know, I moved to China obviously in in 2014, and like he knew why I moved. I moved for business and and to start a company and then have a different life and travel and all that good stuff. And, uh, you know, we obviously catch up as friends. We talk about what's going on in our lives. And when I first started to have conversations with Mike about starting SF, restarting SFA, I had a call with Rohan and just a normal catch-up call that we used to do once in a while and mention what I was up to. And I also remember that he had been working on some hardware stuff that they potentially were going to source through China. So I just basically asked him nonchalantly, like, are you guys still working on that? And he was like, yeah, we are. And they they pivoted from what they were doing to now focusing on making toy figurines. And I was like, yeah, we're actually, like, I mean, my my potential business partner is, he's been doing this for a while. Like, we could help you. And that's just basically how it started. We ended up getting on a sales call. So I actually brought in, I was pretty proud of this at the time. Because, you know, when somebody sees something in you and picks you out from basically obscurity like i had no business experience no real business experience running a company so for mike to be like hey yeah let's be 50 50 partners and you know 
let's jump into this thing. I'll let you run the ship and I'll be a silent partner. And, you know, you can tap into my experience and resources and all that stuff. And I was like, you know, we're, we're cool, but like, you know, <laughs> it's one of those things like I didn't have the confidence in myself at the time. So for me to bring, I didn't, I didn't feel like I was bringing that much value, if that makes sense, which is probably not true when I think about it now, but I didn't know what the value that I was bringing to the table. But me signing and bringing in our first major client, who ended up being a client that we worked with for over two years, was it was a big deal. You know, I was pretty pretty happy with that. It made me feel very confident. I'm sure it probably gave Mike a boost of confidence that, you know, this dude is a is, is a legit uh, the real deal. So, anyways, um, you know, we ended up working with them, and so when we came onto the project, they'd already been in contact with a few suppliers, and they'd actually worked with a different company. And they were just looking for a more involved situation. They were looking for, you know, what we do at SFA, which is, you know, project management and straight, you know, real like consulting. Um, they wanted somebody to, to, to really take a hold of the project and help make decisions and all that good stuff. So uh, we came on and they had a supplier lined up and our usual thing, which we still do to this day, as Mike would say, would be like, yo, like, we need to get backup suppliers we need to vet the supplier that you guys have been talking to but we need to also have two or three backup suppliers now the difference was that when we came onto the project when we officially started i think we received our first payment at the end of may or in june 2015 they were very much like ready to roll like they were aiming for a christmas shipping schedule and if again if you've heard me talk about original design you know, original design takes six months to a year, six months if you're if you're really good and you're experienced, but it's most likely going to take you a year plus to really fully realize your product. So they were at the stage where they basically had 3D printed models that they'd made. They had the CAD, they had the CAD drawings and, and all that good stuff on, on their first figurine. And they'd started talking to the supplier and they'd gotten some rough quotations and, and, and they were at a stage where now they were ready to send their... 3D printed samples and ready to provide the CADs and ready to, you know, sign a contract and have that factory make the samples themselves, handmade samples and, and you know, move forward. So, but we were like, look, we don't know these guys. Like we, we want to go check them out. So it was a factory in Shenzhen. We go to Shenzhen. At the time, I didn't have enough experience. Like this was literally my first or second factory visit. So I really didn't have the experience to know how to assess whether that factory was um, was was good enough or capable. In hindsight, they were too small to do all the things that they were promising. Like they were saying that they make the molds in-house. They were saying that they had an in-house uh, engineering team. They were, like those multiple promises that they made. Later on, we found out that a lot of the stuff that they did was outsourced. Um, actually, to some of the to one of the factories that we ended up working with. <laughs> Uh, maybe two of the factories you ended up working with, but um, it was one of those things. Like in, in hindsight, I see where the mistakes were at the time. I couldn't see those, and but Mike did see them. Mike did raise some some points, and 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 he he said to me, in his and he also said to to the clients in his assessment that hey, you know, we don't feel a hundred percent comfortable with these guys. Would really love if we could get backup options. I think we'd lined up two other factory visits that particular weekend when we went to Shenzhen but the other two factories just weren't 
they weren't up to snuff. So, but we wanted more time. We wanted like a you know another week or something like that to to set up more visits because this was literally like a situation where we got paid on like let's say Monday, and then I start talking to factories on Monday. I start talking to their factory on Monday. So I'm simultaneously like setting up the order with and by the way this was me that was that was what i was doing i was the one sitting i remember sitting in a pacific coffee in xingxiong lu in guangzhou and it was, was like in between classes when i was teaching english and also after you know studying chinese in the morning i remember like i had set up my little home office me and mike used to meet at that pacific coffee every morning like i would sometimes meet him early super early before i had to teach english or I'd meet him like after studying Chinese. I remember as I have a nostalgic feeling because I remember waking up that time period with like a sense of purpose. You know, I remember before that going to study Chinese and going to teach English it was cool, but I was just kind of toiling. I was twiddling my thumbs and then when I was like, man, like I'm starting a business, like this is fucking real. Like I'm meeting up with my business partner. I'm working out of a coffee shop like Tim Ferriss talks about in for our work week and so yeah I'm I'm talking to them and then at the same time I'm also contacting potential suppliers through Alibaba and having those conversations so we'd we'd you can only really visit about three factories in a day and that's if you're really really strategic and you hire a car and you know what I mean like that's and it, and the factories are all in the same city the first day we probably went to and then this is different because we already had a relationship with this factory so it's like we spent half of the day there and then we visited one more factory then the next day we went to about two or three different places and and we just weren't 100% convinced so it was like we basically got paid on like a monday i started working on that we visit factories on like thursday friday friday or something like that friday saturday and then by Sunday I'm giving them my assessment which is basically Mike's assessment we have a call and um they felt they didn't want to wait you know they wanted to to push forward with the current supplier and uh that's that's the key moment you know what I mean that's the key moment like in this day and age like right now if I was in that situation I had a like I it wasn't my gut feeling it was Mike's gut feeling Mike had a gut feeling that something wasn't quite there and he you know we couldn't pinpoint it necessarily maybe that's part of the reason why they felt like they wanted to push forward and they'd had a prior they had a prior relationship with these guys they'd been talking to them for like a month and a half now i would put my foot down and say hey you know that my my thing is we need to talk to some other suppliers so we can get a better feel of whether this factory that you've been talking to is legitimate or can do all the things that they're saying they can do and the only way for us to know that is by visiting other suppliers and having more conversations learning about how this pro- learning more about how this product is made and getting a better feel for the scope and size of a factory that can actually do the work that you know is required for this so at that time you know it was like ah we need we need to see more factories and they were like no no we got to push for christmas we got to move now we got to move like now but we we now we got to okay all right so we'll push for so we ended up pushing forward with them they made uh nice little you know prototype and everything which got confirmed to make a long story short when we produced the mold which was a fucking how expensive was that mold that mold was i want to say 10 plus 1000 dollars is two it was like yeah 10 plus 1000 dollars the first batch of because we do, we always do, we do like a test run where we um had them produce about 50 like a beta run where we had them produce about 50 samples and i remember receiving those samples in my 
in my apartment and uh <laughs> i had interns at the time i had two interns miranda and, and kemi but i think it was just miranda that day and miranda was helping take pictures and we started doing pull tests and uh i think i'm not sure i'm not even sure if we had a pull test machine Actually, no, we definitely we did have a pull test machine. We started doing pull tests and even just by hand. The the name of the toy is Big Hex. And it has like a hexagon bolt on its back. I swear like 50-60% of those toys, the bolt on the back just came off without much pulling. And then on top of that, there was a huge cavity in almost every single one of the bolts. And Big Hex has multiple hexagon-shaped bolts all over his body. And it was just bad, man. It was really, really bad. It was like, you. we just received these samples and it's coming, it's supposed, this is made from the mold. This is supposed to be professionally produced. And you're literally like able to pull off the pieces and just see the glue <laughs> come, come out. And it's like on one hand, okay, so maybe they sent us the samples too early, but like, if you're a factory, like, why would you do that? You know, you know like, why wouldn't you just keep them, let the glue dry, make the, let them settle? And then the bigger issue was the cavities. So when we went back to them, this was the the key sign. When we sent we sent a very detailed email to our our guy, and the guy's the guy's name was Dawson. So, and the name of the factory is SRX. So if you ever come across an SRX in Shenzhen, and they're a toy supplier, and uh, the salesperson or manager, or whatever his name is, Dawson, stay the fuck away from that factory, man sent a very detailed email review with all the issues that we found with that first production run and his response is basically like guys i mean if your standards are that high we can't really do anything for you <laughs> it was essentially go fuck yourself you know go go stick it where it hurts uh and we're like oh okay yeah it was just a non-answer it's like I, this, he's just basically saying that he can't match the standards and, and the thing is it wasn't even about matching the standards. It's like, dude, like these toys were literally falling apart, you know? So yeah, I mean, uh, what we ended up having to do was we canceled. We we had to pay the balance for the mold. We worked out a deal for the balance of the mold. And then now we ended up having to do what we wanted to do two months earlier, two or three months earlier, which was find another backup supplier and have those conversations. So now when we started going to the backup supplier, other suppliers... And we mentioned SRX, these suppliers were like, yeah, yeah, we know those guys. Like they outsource, you know, a lot of work towards us. Like if they need prototypes made and uh, they want it to be really nice or whatever, they give us the, the, the job to make the prototype and then they use that prototype to sign their clients and things like that. Or they outsource, sometimes they outsource productions to, to some, to the factory. So you know, we just learned, uh, I learned a lot about that situation and it was just like, yeah, we should have put our foot down at the beginning and made sure that we got backup options and had more conversations with suppliers because, and it didn't even end there, right? Like now we're stuck with this mold that we've put, you know, an investment into and then we're moving to another factory and asking them if they can salvage the mold. That's the thing, man. Like molds are a huge investment because they're expensive, but at the same time, the way one factory makes a mold versus another factory is different. Like the the materials, the the method in which they make it, and all of those play a factor into the quality of that mold. And what we found out when we moved to this this new this new supplier was that the mold that we had was just not good enough. And they they I mean they told us that before we started working with them, but we asked them if they could try to fix it, they try to make it better. 
which they did but ultimately when we we did another production run the toys failed the quality control inspection and you know the factory was then able to say well it's not our fault it's because your mold sucks and you guys need to pay for a new mold which is what we ended up doing in the end and ended up shifting factories again not necessarily because the that first factory was bad it was just like we realized that obviously we realized that we had a shitty mold from the first supplier the second supplier was actually a legitimate supplier but they might have been a little too big for our client at least in the way they operated like there was definitely an aspect of you guys are a smaller client so you know we're not going to put in as much effort and i've talked about this in videos where it's like sometimes it's attractive i remember when we first went to that factory and we're sitting in this giant conference room giant mahogany table and you're looking around and you're seeing you know life-sized batman toys and like all this cool stuff and it's like wow this factory is like really legitimate which they are if you are a multi-million dollar client but if you're a client that's coming in with an order that's worth 30 to 50 thousand dollars or well let's say 10 to 30 thousand dollars me and 50 on on high end like they're probably not going to pay that much attention to your production so yeah it was just one of those things where we felt that even though we could have had another go with them and they could have made another mold we just felt like they would never really uh, give us as much attention so what we ended up doing was we had to find through the hong kong toy fair we ended up finding a similarly sized factory maybe slightly smaller than the one that we were working with uh, the second factory we're working with this third factory also based in shenzhen ended up being the factory we stayed stayed with for a year and a half they were fantastic still really have a good relationship with them to this day even though we're working on other projects with them and you know they they were solution based they were amazing and we made sure we had backup options on top of that so yeah i mean the lesson there was just again going back to i mentioned this in part one is just sticking to your as a consultant as a business owner as you being the expert of the situation you have to put your foot down in certain situations you can't be scared to upset your clients because the reality is they're paying you for your expertise they're paying you for your recommendations so if they're not it's one thing if you put your foot down and they're not listening i would ultimately say you probably want to walk away from that situation but in this particular situation i, I did not specifically say hey guys we need to you know get backup options we need to look into more factories we need to do more due diligence on the situation otherwise we could end up in a situation with shitty product and a factory that's not willing to improve or help us any further and i, I mean i'm happy to say like i mean ultimately that business ended up being very successful and profitable and it was amazing for us we made a lot of money we i, I had a lot of great experiences they're a huge part of the reason why my company grew so quickly laid the foundation for a lot of the stuff that even even the simple things like not simple things but even structural things like the way our google drive is organized came down to you know working with them uh, the way their google drive was organized i took some some pointers from our initial sales agreements we put together together like our sales agreement contracts i think even our non-disclosure agreement contracts were contracts that we put together like their lawyer and our lawyer and stuff like that like so 
you know, there was you learn a lot from your initial clients, and I, ultimately, it's not a failure, even though I, I I chose that for the title, but it was definitely a mistake on our end as consultants to not say and make it explicitly clear that we needed to get backup options and to learn more about the production of the product, and to make sure that the factory that we're using. You know, because they found that factory. Nine times out of ten, man, whenever a client approaches me and they're bringing a factory to me, it's it's very rare that it's been good. Like a lot of times, people are coming to me with problems, right? So a lot of times, people, if your factory is fantastic and you're not gonna have any issues, you're not you're not gonna use a consultant. So I, I know I, now it's like very clear to me. It's like yo, like people approach me to fix their issues with their suppliers, to fix their issues with their production. So usually the solution is to change suppliers because one a lot of times suppliers don't like it when you bring in a third party to to manage they want to just talk to you directly because they know that if they're dealing with an agent who's familiar with china business they can get away with a lot of the things that they would usually get away with on top of that like you know they just feel like they can manipulate the customers more so it's just one of those things so yeah now i mean i i I definitely now like put my foot down when it comes to things like that. I mean, I told my staff that it doesn't matter if we lose a relationship with a client. Like, we it's much better for us to say no and make it clear that we have to follow this path rather than you know appeasing the client and then ultimately the blame falls on us later. I mean, luckily again with this client, like everything went fantastic and you know we have a fantastic relationship. They. They've given us recommendations to other people. They, you know, if somebody asks me for references, they're top of the list. So it's all gravy. But yeah, definitely a huge, huge lesson and a huge, huge uh, mistake that happened. And yeah, man, that's it. That's part two of Rico's ruminations on failure. If you like this kind of content, please reach out to me and then let us know. It's podcast at sourcefinasia.com. Or drop a comment on the any of the YouTube videos. Let me know if there's any specific things you'd want me to sort of open up about. Again, I know this is very different, but got my little studio situation set up here in my room, so you know I've got time to record these kind of podcasts. And that's sourcefindasia.com/slash/made-in-China for show notes and sourcefindasia on YouTube. I will see you guys next week. Signing off on part two. Took for my child to be born, see through a woman's eyes. Took for these natural twins to believe in miracles. Took me too long for this song. I don't deserve you. I harass you out in Paris. Please come back to Rome. You make it home.